Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we're going to try to talk about the TOS novel, My Enemy, My Ally, but it's raining at both of our houses and we both have internet that drops out in the rain. <laughs> so <laughs> this is our second go at recording the opening <laughs> and it's really bucketing down out there. We bring the drama. We do! We do. Anyway, I am so glad that I finally read this classic tie-in novel because I had such a good time. It's a lot of fun. I, I mean, I have long loved these books. I have a, a great deal of affection for the Rahansu novels and the characters within them. It was, mm. I don't think I've ever actually sat down and read the whole book in a really long time. <laughs> so... I noticed a lot of things that I don't remember as, you know, when mm. I'm thinking about the book, that's not the things that I remember or, or think on fondly. And I, when I go back and read my favorite passages and things, it's like those I know practically by heart, but there yeah. was a lot that I just sort of gloss over. <laughs> I have been hearing or reading about these books for almost as long as I've been in Star Trek fandom. And I never read them before because I knew that Dwayne's world building for the Romulans was so different from what we ultimately got. And yes, there's a lot of stuff that's really uh, outdated and no longer current. And I laughed out loud at the bit where the, the Starfleet intelligence report is like, there have been a lot of assassinations happening in the Romulan Senate. And everyone's like, that's not like the Romulans. That's so weird. Guys, it's Tuesday. There's, there's an assassination. But I was so impressed by how well it still fits with yes and i think i think picard actually has a lot to do with that because it's added so many layers so many layers and nuance and details to romulan culture right. that so many of Dwayne's ideas can just slip neatly in yes especially when whenever al talked or thought about the klingons she is so mm. anti-klingon and it was sort of hilarious because everything that she said about the Klingons was sort of like what the TNG Romulans do. And everything yeah, yeah. that she believes in about the Romulans are pretty much TNG Klingons. <laughs> and so right, it, was right. this, it was this weird, you know. And then, so this book was came out in 1984 and the mm. movie Star Trek III, Search for Spock, yes. which was really the first time we saw modern Klingons was in Star Trek yeah. 3. And, and I, they were not particularly honorable. But they did have like the, the Thacris, some, something like that. She has the, uh, the Chris name. At the mm. very beginning of Star Trek 3, she does the whole little I have to die now for honor Klingon thing. Oh, you're right. It's been new. so long since I saw that. And so... I can, you know, I feel like she was writing about these Romulans while they were writing about those Klingons and they mm. decided to move in that direction because, you know, like five years later, I guess, maybe three years yeah. later, um, Next Generation came out. I'm sure they were already writing Next Generation. So they actually weren't. Uh, planning for Next Gen was going on really, really late in really? 1986. Yeah, I... Listening to the podcast, The Trek Files, they go through a lot of the early next-gen planning documents, and it's actually a little scary how close to the release for <laughs> Encounter at Farpoint, they're still working out things like, should there be a doctor? <laughs> and maybe we should cast someone as the android? Maybe. It's, it gives me a lot of secondhand stress. <laughs> That's funny. Although, looking at the beginnings of Next Generation, I believe it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. It explains a lot. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that Dwayne kept going with these books and was allowed to keep going with these books even after Next Gen started up. And basically, I think the term in fandom is still Jost for Joss Whedon. Jost all of her ideas about Romulans. Hmm. And then it's so – I just think it's really wonderful that Star Trek Picard has started restoring some yes. of these ideas. And some of them are quite different, you know, Romulans have three names, including a secret name, not four. But the seeds are there. And I believe I read somewhere that Chabon 
actually considered using the Rihansu language that Duane created, but it was decided that it was too different from everything else we've seen of Romulan language on screen. Interesting. I, I just want to point out, species can have more than one language. <laughs> what? Are you serious? I know, Are you sure? I know. <laughs> I've heard it's possible. I don't think that's true. I hear there are people on Earth right now who don't speak English. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just the idea that that it would be shocking to anyone. I know. It's a little scary. <laughs> but so, but that's, you know, we can say that they were dialects even. Like, yeah. it doesn't even have to be a different language. But one of the things I really love about these books is that like at least 5% of the book is in Romulan and she puts in no effort of translating it. She just expects you to be able to understand Mm. what's going on based on the rest of it. And I've always appreciated that. See, that kind of annoyed me because like I have no problem with subtitles and I'm not one of those people who is complaining about all the Klingon, the subtitle Klingon in early discovery. But here I'm like, it's a book. I don't need to read these fake words. Like when they start talking about... um, Menesahai. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was my second point is I can't pronounce yeah. any of it. No. I read the Romulan Way first. Oh, I think you've said that before. Yes, that's the one set on Romulus with the spy. Yes, I was not reading Star Trek novels in 1984, but I read mm. the Romulan Way and then I went backwards for My Enemy and My Ally because Al is in the Romulan Way and she's amazing. And she's like a superhero that shows up at the end. So I was like, I need to know the the story of that. Mm -hmm. So I went back to it. But at the back of the Romulan Way, there's a glossary of Romulan words. It's only like three pages long. It is not, it's nothing like the Klingon English Dictionary. Mm. And I'm still to this day angry (laughs) that I can't (laughs) learn Romulan the way I could learn Klingon. Like you can learn Klingon in Duolingo. You can. It's outrageous. <laughs> but no one's ever taken the time to do that for Romulan, and I'm just annoyed because that's the... Since I was a small child, that's the language I've wanted to It sounds speak. like they have put, put in the work of creating a conlang for Romulan now with Picard, so so maybe you can learn yeah. that, but it won't be Dwayne's Rihansu. But it'll be at least something. I would I would love yeah. for someone to take the time and translate a novel into Romulan or something. <laughs> like Jane Austen. If, if the Klingons get Shakespeare. The Romulans get Austen. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Romulans would rather have John Le Carre, but no, they're getting Austen and they're going to like it. That's right. They're going to like Pride and Prejudice in the original Romulan is something I desperately want to read. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a sub-commander in possession of a great fortune must be in want of... uh, uh, Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I'm going to have to take some time to think about how this translates. I wasn't so keen on the passages of Romulan, but I liked the Romulan words and concepts that we were introduced to. And I like that now we have, like, Dwayne gives us names of Romulan animals and the significance that they attach to names, names of ships and names of people, I really groove on that sort of thing. Yeah. And Ail's Ail's idea that the name of the Enterprise is very unlucky because it's such a big, powerful concept. Sounds accurate. And it also makes me think about the Enterprise. Like, obviously, when I was a kid, watching Next Generation, Mm. Mm. watching the original series, watching the one with the whales... You know, it's exciting that they get the Enterprise back in the end, right? It's like, it's a big deal. And the the Enterprise is obviously the best ship in the fleet because it's the Enterprise. And that's the stories of the people who are on it. But if I think about the name, I hate it. (laughs) It's so capitalist. Yes! It's so military. It's so American. (laughs) And I just, It really is. I say this with all due love and respect. (laughs) <laughs> and I know it was a British Navy ship first, but come on. So yeah, that's that's how I feel mm. about it. And so I appreciate that she makes me think about these things. Yeah, I, I really love her take on it. And it makes me like the name of the Enterprise better too. I, I think, you know, Discovery and Voyager are much more positive and less 
iconic names and even defiant you know that's a big concept and it's not so positive as discovery or voyaging but Mm. it's necessary to what the the defiant was built for and i like that in discovery and in picard they have actually named some ships non-english words and and concepts and people they're taking that those tiny baby steps started making a little i know i know for all that i've dumped on shabon throughout our podcast he made a deliberate choice to name starships after non-western explorers and i really really love that still all men but you know we'll get there baby steps well my thing in fic is that i always name starships after women of science or science fiction so when i'm in charge of star trek it will be a much better show i promise (laughs) i just want to say how much i love al as a character Absolutely. She's basically the perfect character for me. She's not quite cranky enough, although she puts on a good facade of it early in the book when she's deceiving the crew she's about to sacrifice. But she's... I like characters who are old enough to have a past and young enough to have a future. And she's perfect. She has her ship. She has her crew. She has her adult son who serves underneath her as her first officer. It's really wonderful and I read that Dwayne created her as a woman who could sort of match Kirk at his own game Mm -hmm. but in doing so she created a a wonderful character in her own right I had to write this one sentence down yes and so it's on page 93 when AL beams onto the ship onto the Mm. Enterprise and we and so our Enterprise crew first see her and so I, I underlined the sentence that I'm going to read, and then I wrote in the margins, so that's why I fell so hard and so immediately for Admiral Cat. <laughs> yes. And this is the sentence. She carried herself like a banner or a weapon, like something proud and dangerous, but momentarily at rest. Yes, yes. And I think she and Cat have a lot in common, because Ayel is so pragmatic and so ruthless in how she abandons the crew of the curace to their own destruction which she has set up for them and these were not particularly good people they intended to betray her Mm -hmm. but she still feels that twinge of regret because this is her honor that she is destroying and then she does it anyway and i love that in a character I, I love characters who are particularly women who are capable of terrible things but know what that they what they have done. Right. And and as you said that she's old enough to have a past and young enough to have a future. I mm. think that that has that same. And so it was like because again, I read these books young. <laughs> yes. And and so I really looked up to AL like as a role model, you know. I really Yeah. like was drawn to that. The character in the Romulan way, the main character, is the character that I would like want to be, and then I she looked up to Al, and so it was like this mm. whole thing. So, going back and again reading it and really reading it this time, and not just skimming or and skipping to my favorite parts, but really tr- taking the time to read each par- passage, there is just so much of things that I love about Star Trek and and other mediums and other fandoms that were in this book and it's like oh it formed like it informed the future me when I was reading it as a a small girl because I I you know was inspired by those things and I went looking for more of that Mm. it's just the most wonderful piece of space opera with empires attempting to push and shift the balance of power and individuals working for the betterment of the community, the galactic community as a whole. I love that. And at one point I was like, there's the world building in this story is so rich and the plot itself is so interesting. This didn't need to be a tie-in. This could be an original piece of work. Yeah. But at the same time, would we still be talking about mm-hmm. it if this original novel had been published in 1984? Like there is a lot of great science fiction written by women in the 80s, which is just straight forgotten. Right. I agree. That's not to say that's okay. You know, I think that there's a lot of joy to be di- had in rediscovering that stuff, like Vonda McIntyre's original work. But And I also don't think it cheapens her world building and the effort that she clearly put in to make 
50 original characters for this book. 50? Did you? Well, did I you didn't count? count them. I'm just, okay. I'm just saying, there are, a, I started like naming them and I, and there are people that are just, and that they reoccur in all of her other novels, mm. which is great. That I looked up because Leah Burke, the nurse, I was like, yes. is Leah Burke a real character, quote unquote, or is she only <laughs> in these books? Because I, I couldn't tell. I really firmly mm. believed that she was a member of the Enterprise in the original series, or my guess was that she was introduced in the animated series, and since oh. I'm never going to watch the animated series, I wouldn't, wouldn't know. So I looked it up, and no, she was introduced in The Wounded Sky, uh, Dwayne's first huh. book, but she, she appears in all of them, and is, is such a rich character, even with her like two scenes and her four lines, but I know exactly who she is. She is such a rich character that I almost looked at her and, you know, I really hate the concept of the Mary Sue, but I looked at her and went, are you maybe too rich to be a supporting character? You, you need to have your own series, love. You need to step out of this Star Trek universe and into your own thing because you are taking over. And I think that's a really difficult line to walk with tie-in fiction because you need to deepen the universe with original characters and they need to be good original characters. Right. They need to be complicated and interesting, but at the same time, they're not what the audience is there for. Right. But I think she's amazing in the way that she makes these rich supporting cast and that mm. I, I firmly believe that they're a part of the Enterprise. Yes. Even the Horta officer, <laughs> Ensign Narat. I love him. He's so great. Kirk keeps comparing him to a pan pizza, and I'm like, Bad. A, he's clearly clearly a deep dish. <laughs> B, that's pretty racist, mate. <laughs> pretty racist? He's, he's saying that he looks edible. Like, yes, that's yes. A and then, and then Trackcore yesterday posted the stills from Discovery showing the hoarder in the background of Lorca's Chamber of Horrors. And I'm like, was Lorca going to eat the hoarder? But speaking of racism, I just want to say, like, Dwayne's original characters always encompass non humanoid Starfleet officers. Yes. And it's so great. I find it really distracting because, like, I've seen what this ship looks like and I know that it doesn't accommodate these people. But at the same time, what she is doing is really good. And that, that I personally find it distracting is not actually a point of failure on Dwayne's part. Mm. I get confused trying to imagine, like, it describes them and I just cannot. Like, I, I need someone to draw me fan draw. art or something, so I get it. I agree, because, like, the three Denebian races and <laughs> one of them has tentacles, I, I I lost track of all of them, but I love them. <laughs> yeah, uh, what were you going to say about racism? Uh, well, I was just going to say, I find it interesting that there are a few times where our, our human characters, Kirk, Uhura etc even Spock I think mm. will like start saying something anti-Romulan and then stop themselves and, and apologize mm. to whichever Romulan they were interacting with and the Romulan's like oh no no it's okay and in I don't think AL ever does it but in her like inner monologue she sometimes will think about and she has a whole like couple paragraphs about how she thought the Vulcans were one thing and but it turns out they're not <laughs> and yeah so there's like this whole interesting confronting racism yeah there's parts. a bit where she enters the rec room and looks around at the relatively diverse enterprise crew and goes this should be horrifying me maybe more than it is mm. am i a bad romulan <laughs> but then so when there is and i only wrote this one down and again the book was it's it's an old book and mm. we are all still grappling with racism and cultural appropriation and PC language or whatever. Mm. But on page 135, it says, what would you call Shanghaiing the intrepid? And again, I wrote in my margins, I would call it racism. <laughs> because what the hell are you doing in uh, saying that in 22nd century? Whenever, whatever, whatever century it's supposed to be. 
Years and years ago, I used the term Shanghai to mean, you know, kidnap someone and press them into service. And my friend Stephanie, who is Chinese-Malaysian, was like, um, Elizabeth, <laughs> she has this particular tone. And I apologised at the time, but I, internally I was really defensive about it. And, you know, that was a British term and it was referring to stealing English people and taking them to serve <laughs> in Shanghai and blah, 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 blah. But then it just dropped out of my vocabulary and... I haven't really felt the loss, to be honest. Like, you can say pressed into service if you need it. But, and so, yeah, that that jumped out at me too. It's such an archaic term and something which has taken on a meaning that it did not originally have. Right. Because, and and that's the thing, is the language is constantly changing. Mm. And I noticed um, Dwayne uses the archaic MZ spelling for Ms. for Uhura and the other female officers. Which is great. Like, I love that artifact of 1984. (laughs) But yeah, so there's a lot in this book. There's a lot more than we could possibly talk about. There's the part where she's thinking, you know, the Federation doesn't understand that they have so much more than we do. And so we're hostile because we want what they have. And but they're yes. so rich, and that's just the way they've they've always been. So they don't know. And I was like, whoa, look at that! <laughs> and, and so there's so many of these things that we're talking about now, you know, in Picard, yeah. and in Discovery. Yeah. And I love that it it was in this novel that it was like, I'm going to bring this up, and and the Romulans aren't going to be just cookie cutter, other. Yeah, who we have to fight, but there are reasons for the ways that they are. It made me think, you know, this is not incompatible with what we see of Romulans in the next gen era. Not wholly, because Ael is very much a character who looks to to a glorious and honourable past and is sort of only dimly aware of how corrupt the present is. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think of the Klingons, who are also always talking about their great, honourable, glorious past and the Klingon Empire, make it great again. And really that they also have this terrible cultural rot that's destroying them from the inside out. Whereas the Federation, and particularly humanity, we look at our past and go, wow, that is messed up. Oh, God, we have failed so badly. We need to do so much better. Yes. And and I feel like these different attitudes are why the Federation, part of why the Federation is more flexible and more dynamic than the Romulans and the Klingons. That it's not looking towards this imaginary nostalgic past. And that got me thinking about, you know, make make America great again and contemporary politics and conservative nostalgia for the 1950s. (sighs) That never actually existed. I did a paper on this. <laughs> right, right. And I, I'm sure that Al's great honourable empire never really existed either. Mm-mm. But she herself is an honourable person. Menesa. <laughs> Menesai, that's how I say it. Menesai, Menesai. <laughs> I don't know that if that's right. That sounds how I like say a real it. word. <laughs> this complicated concept that is not quite honor and not quite loyalty and it's not quite brotherhood. There's a whole vaguely sexist conversation about <laughs> brotherhood. and But it's that sense of owing something to your family and to your people and to your culture. And they in turn owe you the same. Right. I think because Al believes in Menasai so firmly, she has a bit of a rosy-eyed view of the past. But you know, we've met other Romulans who, ha- in TNG, who had Menasai. Yeah, the defector. Yeah, not just not just that, but like the guy that Geordi meets down on yes. the planet and the enemy. Yeah, yeah, they have very different values, but they come to respect each other and that particular Romulan comes to recognise that Geordie has menacei. Mm-hmm. Aside from treating assassination as an aberration rather than a hobby, I really do think that this is consistent with Romulan culture as we know it. Yes, I think it is too. And mm. especially because if you think of... Al is a very... She has a very strong point of view. And so yes. she's saying this is wrong and this is the way it should be and the, the, our new Romulans are doing this. And so if you imagine that the new Romulans win, 
then yeah, yeah. they're the ones who are doing all of the shenanigans and nonsense mm. in The Next Generation, as opposed to the ones who are yeah. still clinging to that idea of honour. I have this fairly elaborate headcanon about the Romulans and how they sort of almost withdraw into their own space, aside from bombing the Kitama outpost after the Federation makes peace with the Klingons, and then they emerge at the end of season one of Next Gen. And when they emerge, they're a lot more physically uniform. They're a lot more, you know, they all have the bowl cut. They all have the shoulder pads. Their their society mm-hmm. has changed, mm-hmm. and they, they're less diverse in their personal presentation than they were in the previous century. And I think we can argue, especially after Picard, and we, the, the great diversity that's exploded in the wake of the destruction of Romulus, that this was a deliberate... Thing, that their culture became more oppressive mm-hmm. than it had been in the past. I can absolutely believe that, and it became an authoritarian version yeah. of their empire. Yeah, I, I'm sure that it was never a democracy, but it seems like most Romulans maybe had more personal freedom in the 23rd century. Okay, there, there was at one point the uh, the chief linguistics officer there like starts randomly yes. reciting a Roman poem <laughs> in the middle of the briefing. Right, right. <laughs> Which was hilarious. And just a little, I was like, okay, this is a little too on the nose for me. I'm, I So on like, the nose. Wink, wink, guys. not really into it. Mm. But. Especially when Dwayne has been separating the Rihansu from the Roman-inspired right. Romulans. But obviously the fact that they have their Praetor and their Senate mm. and that, like, mm. they are very based on Rome. <laughs> Rome. And the Roman Empire. There was a concept in Rome called Romanitas, and it's basically menacide. It's loyalty to the state, and it's personal honour, and it's being a responsible member of your family, and what you owe to your patron, or what what you owe to your clients, if you are the patron, or the paterfamilias. It's all of that. It's menacide. But, okay, so... We are in the year 2020, right? 2020 AD. Yes. Time has no meaning where I am, but yes. Well, I'm just saying that that means that Mm. within, you know, it's been 2,000 years, the Mm. Roman Empire still existed, right? Yes. Here on good old Earth. But we have moved, like, we we certainly are, are, we still have politics and we still learn algebra and we still uh, look at philosophy in a very Mm. Greco-Roman way, okay? Yes, we, but, we still post today I baked bread. We just post it on Instagram instead of carving it into a wall. But I, we also have changed. We've evolved from Roman times. Yeah. Right? Would you say yeah. that we've evolved from Roman times? All right. According Absolutely. to this book, <laughs> the Romulan yes. Empire has stayed the same as ancient Rome for more than 5,000 years. And that, like, the Vulcans were also ancient <laughs> Romans 5,000 yes. years ago. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> it's like this thing in a lot of fantasy and science fiction where the time scales are just massively inflated. Just, George R.R. R. Martin does it all the time and it drives me crazy. That is not how that works. Like, no. There it is, is no way. No. It is absolutely not. But it's one of those things where I look at it and it and go, you're a trope, you annoy me, but fine, we'll live with it. <laughs> See, it really bothers me. Because <laughs> mm. I, 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 can't, I can't just hand wave that. I can't just be like, oh, sure. Because it's like, no. Because the whole plot is based on this whole, we're going to steal Vulcan brain matter, and we're going to graft it into Romulan brains, and then the Romulans are going to have Vulcan powers, right? That's the whole plot. Mm. But also there's going to be like this massive super brain that that can control and paralyze Vulcans. That's one of the things that I skim over. <laughs> I just <laughs> don't even go to the massive brain part. <laughs> but it, it was just so gross that I really liked it. So, it made me think of the brain room in Harry Potter. Ew. <laughs> but yes, yeah. okay, I see that. Also not a highlight but of that series. Like, Vulcans and Romulans had space travel 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then they split up, and the Romulans decided to not evolve from that point on. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, the Vulcans grew brain powers. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, this is just no. <laughs> just no. I always like, assumed that there was some sort of genetic drift and maybe the genetic predisposition in the people who left and became Romulans meant that those genes just fell dormant and were eventually bred out See, because 5,000 years is a really long is time. It's a really long time. I, I can believe the dormancy of the Romulans. I cannot believe that the Vulcans... Like, yeah, I don't believe that they developed happen. that. I no, think Yeah, I no. think it's more likely that... All of them had the brain powers 5,000 years ago in Roman times mm. when they had mm. space travel and they split off. And what happened is that all the Romulans who were like the, the best brain-powered Romulans were all murdered by the other Romulans mm. because that's what Spock says would happen. <laughs> so, right. so sure. Ooh. Also, I wonder if they left and found their own home planet before they had faster-than-light technology, if the the limitations of a very long journey under those circumstances are part of what made Romulan culture so pragmatic and ruthless in its treatment of the disabled, for example. Because I know in The Enemy, the, the Romulan with all the menes, menes eyes, like, oh, if a baby was born blind on Romulus, we'd just kill it. Yeah. And Geordie's like, yikes. what the hell, man? That's not cool. <laughs> Super yikes. Yeah, mate. <laughs> But from a world-building perspective, it would make sense if they developed that attitude in space. I agree. While we're on this subject, in that yes. part where Spock says, you know, oh my gosh, if Romulans had Vulcan mind powers, you know, it would be mm. Armageddon. Which uh, is also like, okay. <laughs> but... Hmm. I feel like his bias like, is showing. It's, just, it's a little bit... But that's that paragraph is very interesting to me from, you know, Ooh. and the, the, my, my, uh, my note here is not to make everything about the Jedi, but <laughs> Spock basically describes Jedi mind tricks in that paragraph and says that they're evil. And I would just like to put I that mean, out there into the ether. See, this makes me want I, to like hit Diane up on, on Tumblr and go, so do you have any particular opinions about Star Wars? Did you have any particular opinions about Star Wars in 1984 that you would like to share with the class? <laughs> it was just really funny to me. Mm. I, I really do like the idea of Romulans attempting to graft and weaponize yes. uh, Vulcan telepathy. I, I think that's brilliant. It is brilliant. It's great. And I also I have to appreciate that Kirk has the thought that if the Federation got its hands on that, it would absolutely be the same problem. Like, yeah, he is yeah. self-aware enough to, to realize that mm. it would be just as bad in the Federation or, you know, mm. as it would be for the Romulans or the Klingons to have it. That I guess the Vulcans are the only ones we can trust with this, which I don't trust all the Vulcans, mm. but... We know from Next Gen and Gambit that even Vulcans can't always be trusted with psychic weapons. Right. But okay, go off. Yep. Yeah. So what did you think of the characterization of our our main crew? Uh, I really enjoyed Dwayne's take on McCoy. Yes. He felt so McCoy-like, but also he's like secretly a, a not a ch chess champion, but a highly ranked player. And he just likes watching the game. It's a spectator sport. I, thought, I really liked that. And I really liked the bit where he starts ranting at AL and everyone's like, oh, this means he likes you. This means you're, you're one of his people now. Yes. Uh, McCoy, I think, is, is the strongest. Yeah. I quite liked her Kirk. Uh, we were saying in Discord, you know, no, no drawing of Kirk ever looks the same and no drawing of Kirk ever looks like William Shatner. He's basically a cryptid. <laughs> and that's sort of how I feel about his characterization. Well, everywhere. Mm. Because he fits so many archetypes and some of them are mutually exclusive. But I liked the direction that, that Dwayne took him in here. I felt like he was a very likable character and he was a great foil for Al, or maybe the other way around apparently he's the main character i don't know uh no but a fundamentally decent man who respects and enjoys getting to know one of his most honorable enemies mm -hmm. i like you know, that they have great. like a 
a pre-rivalry. Like they they mm. they know who each other is before they this book before they meet in person, and and respect each other. Yes, yes, they know that they're equals and they like that. But in certain situations, they would not hesitate to kill each other. Mm-hmm. And I love the bit where Al is listing the ships that have been sent into the neutral zone, and there's the Intrepid and the other one and the other one, and then worst of all, the Enterprise. <laughs> Just great. And Spock. I don't think it was a bad characterization of Spock, but as much as I liked the mind meld scene where he enters Al's mind and sees that she is telling the truth. Mm-hmm. or at least what she believes to be the truth. I felt like given his connection with her niece, the Romulan commander of the Enterprise incident, there should have been some more discussion of that. Mm. Especially because it is eventually an important plot point. <laughs> right! And that sort of came out of nowhere, and it wasn't clear to me whether he even knew that she had this connection to the unnamed commander. Mm-hmm. I loved that she was the commander's aunt and the commander had been her heir and that her son, Tav, ultimately betrays her because he is so angry that the Romulan commander was stripped of her identity and made an unperson and exiled. Yes. You can imagine that I love everything about that relationship. I just am so, like, I can't be angry with Tav because I'm like, that is a really good motivation and I am 100% on board with it and I just want all of like I want to see them as young American Nursa types in in their version of Romulus like I just we'll get to that I love it I have something to say about that I loved that he wanted to take the Enterprise and that he wanted to get revenge on Kirk and Spock for what they did to his cousin but it was I was furious that he was also betraying his mother and that he also wanted to see her executed like you little shit she did her best (laughs) I yes but it was it was all the same feeling whereas he chose he chose mm. his cousin over his mother. He chose one family over right. the other. And it was... Right. But before we move off of... Because I, I want to go into all of that. And before we move mm. off of characterization, I just want to say that I've never really liked Dwayne's version of Spock. I don't dislike it. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just that her Spock is not my Spock. No, and I think that's And that's fair. what I don't think okay. it's bad. Like, but he's clearly not her favorite. And that's fine. And that's true in, again, across all of her novels, and they're barely in the Romulan way. It's mostly, like, McCoy is the only mm. one. And, and McCoy and is he's clearly her, her favourite. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. But then uh, Spock's world is obviously, it's about, it's like mm. the version, they, they go into all of the Vulcan mythology, and they have a whole court senate crazy thing um on vulcan and all of our crew get to make speeches to all of to all of vulcan actually because not only the thousands that are in the stadium but also it's you know live streaming to all of vulcan Mm. and they all are making their speech and apparently it's it's just just interesting to me that 96 percent of vulcan like are are into politics and pay attention and vote and stuff like that's crazy because here in here on Earth, it's like <laughs> in the 30s or 40s. So, right. That's always Even in interesting Australia, to me. we have compulsory voting, and I think it comes out at about 80, 86%. But her characterization of Spock and particularly Sarek in Spock's mm. world is really, it's like, I appreciate it, but it's not where I would go. <laughs> it's, not, it's not how I see them. And also to Frank. Mm. So, like, it's not that it's bad, it's just yeah, that it's her headcanons are not exact, their headcanons. Exactly, mm. exactly. And so I really appreciate the writing, but I, I sort of like this, it's an AU version of those, of those characters mm. for me. And this one, also, like, he kept joking and he kept, I don't know, it was just, it's just, like, a little bit off. Like, at one point he says, he asked the doctor how you would reprimand, or how you would hold hands with a mother hen, and I was like, yes, no. <laughs> just, just Spock would never. <laughs> so I just couldn't see it. I had troubles. No, no. And I really liked that scene. It's a scene where 
uh, Kirk tells McCoy and Spock, you know, you don't need to hold my hand and protect me. And McCoy is like, yeah, the way rumors <laughs> spread on this ship, you're not holding hands with Spock ever. And I was like, I see what you did there, Dwayne, wink, wink. and I love it. But we didn't need to overegg the pudding with the, the the mother hen. How do you hold hands? Yeah, bit. So. Uh, I was going to say, uh, with regards to Narek and Nerissa, I'm so delighted and fascinated that Dwayne posits that inheritances are passed down to nieces and nephews yes. and the concept of the sister-daughter. And then we have Ram- Ramda raising her niece and nephew. Yes, that... And it's like, again, is that is that an, a, an intentional reference? Because I, I knew, I remembered that A.L.'s was her aunt was the Romulan commander who still mm-hmm. doesn't have a name aunt no but i i didn't like i i thought it was just sort of a offhand she's my she's she is but it, then it goes into right you say that there's this whole inheritance mm. thing and this this whole and on the whole tav the cousins were as close as as anyone could be kind of thing yeah and yeah. i was like oh you know that's that is so it is transferred over into Ramda and Narek and Rissa, and I love yeah. it. And I'm, yes. And, and as a concept, it's just such a nice bit where the world building is not default Western white people culture. And it raises questions like, do they practice first cousin marriage or is that as taboo as a sibling marriage? And what happens if your sibling doesn't have children? And what happens if... You know, there, there are so many questions. Right, and it's, it's exactly. Romulan inheritance law is suddenly really interesting <laughs> to me. Oh, I love them. I love my Romulans. I love my Romulan families. It's all I, it's all I want from the world. You know, I, I only decided to read this because Picard had sort of revived some of some of its ideas and I'm so glad that I did and I would really like to pitch a loose adaptation of this novel as season two of Star Trek Picard. So have a AL or a version of AL who comes to Picard? Yeah, who has is has survived the destruction of Romulus and is attempting to serve the Romulan free state with honor with Menasai and who has learned that Either the Free State or the Romulan Rebirthers are doing this terrible thing with Vulcan mind powers and, you know, it, it's it's awful, it's horrifying. So she seeks out, you know, the man who went toe-to-toe with Commander Tomalak and who commanded the evacuation. And then along the way she discovers with horror that her lost sister is alive and well and living on a vineyard. <laughs> because... Because she's Laris's sister. Look... <laughs> You know, from the beginning, I have decided that Laris is linked to the original Romulan commander, yes, Joanne yes. Linville, and Ael is canonically linked to that character, and the loss of a family member is really important to Ael's arc, so to, to find that her sister is alive and has almost abandoned Menasai, abandoned her people, not only in choosing to go into this exile, but in joining the Tal Shiar, which is a sort of organization AL would loathe and detest. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's a really interesting way to adapt the, the, the internal conflict within AL's family from the novel to the present canon. I really like it. I really like it. I have one question that is very me question and that listeners are probably going to get angry at me for. Go! Does it involve getting Narek out of Federation prison, Tom Paris style? This wasn't in my head, but yes, I think it does. Okay. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> no, no, it would be sort of great because if Ayel has to kill her son after he betrays them and all that, uh, and maybe chooses to save Laris over Tav, then she can adopt Narek. And introduce him to the radical concept of menacei. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because call us. I, I actually think one great thing about the whole COVID disaster, and this is really <laughs> insensitive to say given the scale of death, but at least the Star Trek writers have a lot more time to work on their seasons <laughs> before filming starts. 
idea. <laughs> mm. But yes, that's that's my pitch for an adaptation, and I gave a lot of thought to who would play AL, and because their first thought on meeting her is that she's so small, I was like, who is a very small, powerful, older woman? And my first thought was Nana Visitor. <laughs> Oops. That's not going to work Yeah, there's work a problem out. there. That's, that's not going to work. I no, have, I, no. I, so I, then I, I went, <laughs> go. No, go ahead. If you want to say yours first. Oh, well, I have two. Uh, I sort of went in a different direction and went, okay, who could plausibly be Orla Brady's sister, who is dark and has great cheekbones and nice eyebrows and has that sort of power. And so my first thought was Oscar winner Olivia Colman. Okay. And then as a backup, because she might be busy doing other stuff, was Helen McCrory. <laughs> Helen McCrory! Oh my gosh! Sorry. Yeah, yeah. My, my brain yes? had to catch up with what you were actually saying. <laughs> that is brilliant. I love it. I would cast her in anything, and I love the idea of her as uh, or Brady Laris' sister. Make it happen. Yeah. Yep. I went in a completely different direction, but I really, really love oh. it. So well, go. I decided, you know, I was sort of like, I need somebody at least in their 40s. And as you said, tiny but powerful. And so mm. I decided on Archie Punjabi. Oh. Who could, I, I you mean, know, olive skin-ish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, obviously this breaks my Ola Brady yes, sister. Yes, sorry. Bit, I didn't know that she was supposed to be Ola Brady's sister when you said we were fan casting. you with that twist. I, I, was, I wanted to, to give you a nice surprise. But no, I think she'd be quite good in the role. Yes, I think that it, at least as written on the page in this book, mm. in mm. I think I can, I can imagine her even like saying some of the things. And definitely yeah, I can imagine yeah. her going toe-to-toe with Kirk. And also sort of having that flirtation happening. Oh, absolutely. So No, I think she would be really good. I I I didn't really look at like size (laughs) once I moved on from Nana Visitor because you know on TV everyone is sort of the same size. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I really like your take. Uh, apparently Jean Roddenberry did not care for this series. Which only makes me like it more. (laughs) I mean good on her for getting it done anyway is all I can say to that like I'll believe it I I don't know I haven't actually Mm. read your thing and I'm gonna let you get to it in a minute that you have linked here but I absolutely believe that given that she like I said she creates so many different characters she creates new departments on the Enterprise and and then people to be in them and entire other ships and and they're friends with Kirk and they go back mm. so and so time you know time and there's just so much that she creates for Star Trek but it's like her version of Star Trek yeah that I can absolutely imagine him being annoyed <laughs> at the idea that she's going to create she's going to give the Romulans culture no that's, that's his job. And just because he never cared to doesn't mean that someone else should. And, you know. Right. So, you know, it's sort of like great men do great things, but they also have great mm. egos and right. get annoyed. You know, it's like they, to pull something contemporary, the fact that Rose Tico is not in The Rise of Skywalker at all. Seems to me oh, I'm solely so because J.J. Abrams didn't create that character, and so he was going to create two or three new characters to take over her parts because mm. he was annoyed. And like, I don't think he necessarily, and I don't know J.J. Abrams, but I don't think he would necessarily even he is consciously. Not a close personal friend of yours, you know. He, I don't think he would even consciously do it, but I can imagine no. that he would subconsciously do it. The preponderance of original characters was at the heart of Roddenberry's objections, particularly the Romulan way. Apparently he tried to block publication because he felt it was an original novel that used the Romulan names and had McCoy in it just to I mean, get it published as a Star Trek That's novel. true, but it's also really good. I know, I'm like, I'm saying this like, you're saying this like it's a bad yeah, thing. Like- My source for this is... Uh, 
vintage 1994 wank on Usenet. Uh, there's a link to the archive, which I will share, but basically Rod- Roddenberry's former assistant, Richard Arnold, spent, seems like a good portion of the early 90s, fighting with tie-in authors on the internet. And it's not even that he's wrong. He's saying, you know, if you wrote a Star Trek novel, that doesn't mean you wrote for Star Trek. That means you wrote wrote for hire tie-in fiction. It's not that this is untrue. It's just that I don't like him. So, and I don't like the way he says it. Anyway, there are all sorts of spurious allegations of defamation and libel. And I don't know what Diane Duane's husband has to do with this. He only co-wrote The Romulan Way. So, so I'm not going to answer that. Uh, but I had a lot of fun going through old uh, rec.arts.startrek.fandom fights from the early 90s. <laughs> uh, especially the bit where I stumbled into a thread where they were looking at the premise of Deep Space Nine and going, oh my gosh, these people don't care about Star Trek. This is a blatant money grab. This is going to destroy Star Trek forever. Look at all this political correctness with a black man in charge and a female first officer. I mean... God, Star Trek, it's just not it's just not going to survive it. Ooh, ooh, that was one thing I wanted to mm-hmm. uh to bring up too. Is very yes. early in this this uh novel here, on page twenty seven, in fact. <laughs> yes. Uhura basically says that Starfleet is the worst. <laughs> and then like two oh. pages later, Kirk straight up says that his and the Enterprise's priorities are usually different from Starfleet's. And I was I know, just like, I know. you know what? <laughs> that they she, she didn't pull that out of nowhere. That was in TLS. No. So everybody who's complaining that in Picard, mm. suddenly Starfleet is on the other side and we're against them, has mm. not been watching Star Trek. There's people who think that Star Trek is wholly utopian and perfect, and then there's people who agree with us. And, yeah. I just loved it. I was like, you go. And also, while I was so great. Uhura, yes. nearly every time she was in this book, she was described mm. as beautiful, gorgeous, handsome I know. and like I, i'm not complaining about this but i i love it i love that <laughs> she could not not describe uhura as amazing and, and it didn't stunning. feel objectified no it, was, it wasn't like the male gaze yeah i also enjoyed the sulu uh, POV when Tav's people have attacked the ship and he's climbing through the, yes. the jeffrey's tubes and, and he's like I think I'm becoming claustrophobic. Maybe I should talk to the doctor about that. Ah, that's a future Sulu problem. <laughs> I and like I love like like Key, the little the young Romulan who's who's hanging out with them and and, and fighting yeah. back because his honor has also been besmirched. It's just mm. it's so heartwarming. I that just was love them all. One of the things the conflict between Menezai and where one owes honour to different and competing parties, and this is not a flaw on your part, it's a problem to be solved. I really like that as a piece of cultural world building. Oh, and, the, okay, so at one mm. point she's saying, okay, here are the three ships that are, have been sent to meet up with us, and Nanial yeah. says... My sister's on that ship. My sister's on Javelin. Mm. I don't know if I can fight my sister, which is yeah. perfectly fair. And he's, you know, he says like, I have to go back to the other ship. I can't be trusted to yeah. be in battle against her. I loved that. I loved that it set yes. up the whole we're gonna punch each other and then start flirting scene. That was great between <laughs> Kirk and Al. That was awesome. But then right? Javelin is is destroyed. And yes. I am so upset that Niall's sister got blown up. <laughs> I am I am I, really, really, like, heartbroken for Niall because he loved his sister. And she didn't do it. She wasn't the captain. She wasn't one of the bad guys. She just happened to be on that ship. She was probably, right. like, he was a, a really low-level person. He, she was probably a really low-level person, too, who just happens to be assigned yeah. to a tyrant. 
like the yeah. worst one. The, the Javelin <laughs> was the one where the captain like took his own little shuttlecraft away <laughs> to get back up and and like he's the the captain who refuses to go down with the ship and in fact mm, allows his mm. ship to be sacrificed in order to allow him to escape like he's the, the worst. mirror locker of romulans so of course she's not like i can't i i think that nanayal's sister probably had more minisai for her brother, and she would have been happy to join up with Ale and Bloodwing, and I'm really mm. sad that she's dead. <laughs> I found the TV Tropes page for this sub-series of novels, and apparently Nanial's family come back in the later ones, and most of them have cast him out, except for one cousin who's like, yeah, I think he did the right thing. I'm sorry. I love you, bro. Hugs. The later Rihansu books were published in the early 21st century, yeah. and I have to admit that I'm less less enthusiastic they're, about reading them they're not great i will i will say right. they're not great there's there's one i like that array she has to go be a junior politician like a junior mm. senator for the romulan empire when and they're like negotiating with the federation whatever and she has to go do this. She has to, like, do politics, which I'm totally always into. And mm. she is asked to be a spy. Yeah. And she's already a spy, as we recall. I was going to say. She's a human who's spying on yeah. the Romulans. But she, I haven't read the Romulan <laughs> way yet. But I remember you telling but me But she's about asked it. by the Romulans to spy on the humans. So it's great. Right. So she's, like, mm. double spying. And so she's spying for the humans, she's spying for the rebels, because they're like not the, they're like the good Romulans. She's spying for the rebel, right. the good Romulans and the humans, and she's, you know, trying to be a politician, and a lot, all sorts of people already hate her because she was like a housekeeper who became a senator, and they're totally against mm. that because they're super into, you know, p- pure blood and descendants, and you should have... 800 houses before you get to be a senator. Right. And nothing like the real world. So I really like her plot or the idea of her plot because she doesn't really get to do much of it. And she has this like little sort of romance that I'm into as well with the rebel. Mm. But it it goes nowhere. And it becomes like this whole treatise on AL's honor. And Mm. it just, it stops being about anything. And it starts being, I'm going to preach about what I think things should be. I don't know. It just, it's, there stops being a plot and it becomes entirely inner monologues. And I'm just like, oh God. I'm over this. We're done. Mm. My, the, the people I care about are no longer here. So I'm going to move on. And there's no, yeah. if I recall correctly, there are like zero Star Trek characters in this in these books. I do not remember a single like I'm pretty sure the Enterprise is involved in some way, but they're not a part of the plot at all. According to TV tropes, the series ends with Al becoming Empress of of the Romulan Empire, and she and Kirk exchange a kiss before he leaves, and they never see each other again. <laughs> and in theory, I'm really into it, but like. I was Googling around to see what people said about this series, and the, the thing that kept coming up is, is A.L. a Mary Sue? And I'm like, mate, I don't care. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like making her empress is maybe a step too far. Like, I love space politics, but I like the stories to be about the people functioning within that yeah. system rather than leading I it. don't remember, like, because I think I've read the, like, I've read, I read the, the third one, and that's the one where we get a raised plot and there's like stuff happening. And then there's, it's like a cliffhanger where she, something happens and it's, it's bad. Um, mm. And then there's two more books and like nothing happens in them. And they're really long too. They're like, you know, fourth Harry Potter novel long. And it's just oh like, I, I can't with this. I can't. And I don't remember A.L. being Empress. That's how like, I, cause you know how I said that I skim eventually? Like, the, when they start yeah. talking about tentacles, I'm like, I don't need to know this. And so my brain just <laughs> shuts off. Like, I, I, have to, I have to try to read at some, at some point when, 
when the plot gets away from me or there's just I'm I'm not following it. I read very quickly and sometimes I'll read too quickly where it's like I decide that that's and unimportant and I just say that goes away. Yes. Like, okay, so at the end of the third Hunger Games novel, her sister is killed. <laughs> I had to read yeah. that like four times before I realized that her sister was killed. <laughs> I could not follow what was going on. <laughs> no, I have the same problem. And I read the Murderbot novel last night and I really enjoyed it. It was so good, but I kept having to stop and go back because I was – inhaling it so fast that I was missing things so I definitely I don't remember them kissing that are you serious this has been like an OTP of mine since I was like nine and then like what how is that possible I'm just going with what TV Trope says I, I maybe it's a lie clearly no I'm sure it's right it's just clear like I all I remember of the last two books is being angry at them. So I completely believe <laughs> that, like, halfway through the fifth one, I was like, nah. And, and didn't even it's a bit like, it. Very possible. It's a bit like season seven of Next Gen, where things happen that I've re- that you really, really wanted. Like, um, Picard and Crusher talk about their relationship. And then the outcome is so disappointing that you're like, mm-hmm. Yes. It, it's, a, it's the seventh season of, of this novel series. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. But The Romulan Way is always going to be one of my favorite books ever in the world. And I really like my enemy, Wyoming. And at a future time, probably when the international postal system is working again and I can order a copy, because <laughs> I don't really like the ebook versions of the old Star Trek tie ins, they tend to be really poorly formatted. I will buy it and read it, and we can talk about it on this very podcast. Excellent. But what are we talking about next week? <laughs> I had to. Sorry, I had to move over into my. Uh, like. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to Antimatter Pod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at @antimatterpod. Sometimes we post cat pictures and questions for our audience. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us in two weeks when we'll be discussing medicine and medical practitioners in the Star Trek universe. You said you were going to talk about ER, right? Yes. (laughs) Does this mean that I need to watch some Chicago Hope so I can talk about that? Yes. Awesome. (laughs) You can have dueling Chicago hospitals in space. Yay.